For those of you who don't know me as well personally, I want to give you a little bit of background on some of our day-by-day, week-by-week ministry. About 10 years ago, we were asked to start a small group community for adults at a large church here in Colorado Springs. And for nine years, we ran that community, uh, which was kind of wedged between worship services, as kind of an experiment in the lifestyle of the early church. Well, about a year and a half ago, there was a movement within this group to branch out and become our own thing. So for the first year of our gatherings, we met on Sunday afternoon, so as not to interfere with the life of the church from which we came. Well, this upcoming Sunday, we're going to be moving to the morning time. And so I want to share with you a meditation that I've been meditating on for the last few weeks. Really the question for ourselves, the anchor gathering, what is our purpose? But really, more broadly, what is the purpose of church in general? About a month or so ago, one of my dear friends, Zach Yellen, and I were walking and talking about that fellowship, about Anchor, and he was relating to me that he thinks it's about time that we would revisit our vision for what this thing is, like what we're attempting to do, who we're trying to be together. But if you know me at all, I do always like in that sort of conversation to push back a little. So I said something like, Well, you know, Zach, I mean, I'm not really the trifold bulletin, you know, here's our six cornerstone convictions kind of guy. I I love to follow Jesus like I see the early church doing it, not knowing exactly what they're doing, not even knowing what they don't know. And Zach, being a good, true friend, said something like, okay, but then let's talk about the early church and, and why they kept coming together which then landed us on the best sort of walking up Cheyenne Canyon conversation, a conversation that cleared the way for what I want to talk about in this episode. For you and for me, for any follower of Jesus, for any congregation of believers, for our fellowship, Anchor, why do we meet? Why do we come together? Why, Sunday after Sunday, Am I going to be asking my friends to gather together with me, with all of their other friends? And what are we expecting? In essence, what is the purpose of church? Well, to answer that, I want to begin at the beginning. The lifestyle of that first gathering Zach and I were discussing. And I want to talk about two things. The root and the fruit. First, let's talk about the fruit. If six weeks from now, or six months from now, or six years from now, I was to describe our fellowship like this, like, how would we feel about it? We are seeing people coming into faith all the time. We are learning constantly, steadily, deeply the teachings of the scriptures, of the word. We are constantly enjoying the true fellowship, the communion of souls together. We break bread together. We constantly talk to the Lord together. How would we feel if I said that we were always slightly overwhelmed? 
like our breath taken away, that we were actually seeing signs, wonders, miracles happening right in our midst? What if there was a radical sense of generosity? What if we felt impelled to share what we have with each other without even being asked? What if we just couldn't stop being together? We came together in all kinds of contexts. We often broke away to sit and to eat together, to to sort of linger over the table together, enjoying our joyful fellowship with one another. What if we just couldn't stop worshiping? What if our attitude, the way we carry ourselves in the midst of this world, actually brought respect, repute to the name of Jesus? And again, I'll say, what if we constantly saw those who were outside of all this clamoring to be inside? How would we feel about our fellowship in that case? Well, quite obviously, what I was just describing to you is the beginning of the beginning. That was from the end of Acts 2. So, my friends, how did they get there? Did they sit down in a a committee format and decide that those were the gatherings imperatives? Did they foresee that people like you and me would one day be listening to a podcast? And did they think to themselves, well, you know, let's, uh, let's look good doing some stuff. (laughs) No, you see something had happened before that to cause these happenings. What happened? Well, this happened. On a particular morning in their human lives, they were together, not terribly so many people in a room. What were they doing? They were talking to Jesus. When suddenly the sound of a wind inside the room began blowing and they had an actual vision of a manifestation, tongues of flame is the best way they could describe it. And suddenly they went from being people who were peripheral to the life of God to being those whose inner lives were invaded by the very life of God. Yes, the Holy Spirit, the one who had hovered over the waters of creation, the one who had been so selectively upon people, never within, throughout the entirety of the old covenant, suddenly possessed their inner lives. So how did they get there? Being lit up by the tongues of flame, being indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. Did they gather just for the experience of that miraculous? Were they huddled in that upper room hoping to be the first so-called, let's call it, Pentecostal church? Again, did they foresee people like us looking over their shoulder and think, well, we better mix in a little Holy Spirit to this? No, no. Something had happened before that to cause Pentecost. So what happened? Well, this happened. Even a smaller group was sitting and then standing upon a hillside, the Mount of Olives, we know. And they were having a chat to Jesus. When suddenly midstream, mid-sentence, he is lifted up physically grabbed by the power of heaven and, and, and brought back into the throne room from which he created, sustained, 
and came from to incarnate. They stand there, agape. So how did they get there? Being with Jesus in the very moment of his ascension, getting to see his actual return to the throne of God. Did they go with him to the Mount of Olives because they wanted to experience that experience? To be the ones who got to say, yeah, I was there. Did they know that we would be talking about them during this little thing we call an episode? Uh, did they take pride in being the only ones who got to experience what you and I would now call Acts 1? No! Something had happened before that had them there. What happened? Well, all of this happened. The God of the universe, the creator of everything, the one who'd made all things, upheld all things, spoken all reality into existence, the God whom sin was actually sinning against, the one who'd made us for life, not for death, the one who'd spent all time trying to crack through to humankind through his voice, through the miraculous, through the law, through the prophetic, well, he had essentially had enough. So he did the most preposterous thing that was beyond the mind of man to conceive of. He chose to intermingle his divinity with our fleshy, earthy selves. You know the story. He became one of us. So it was him God in the flesh, the one who'd been born, grown up, experienced all the sights, sounds, smells, tastes, touches that we all know about, the one who'd been apprenticed to his human father, living in obscurity for 30 years, who suddenly heard the word of his heavenly father to begin. So, he began. He was baptized, clothed anew in the power of his own Holy Spirit, and then tempted in every way in the flesh by the evil one. Then came the ministry of three years, the direct teaching of God directly unto humanity, the actual touch and healing of God unto the broken. Humanity met its God in its own flesh, which is precisely where I want to land us, in that meeting you see, before the ministry of those three years, before the teachings, miracles, signs, and wonders, before all the confrontations to come between Jesus and the religious leaders, before his triumphal entry, before the Last Supper, before his arrest, trial, conviction, and crucifixion, before the longest 48 hours in human history, before he suddenly revealed himself alive, resurrected. Well, friends, what came first? What was the root of all this? Encounter. Jesus walking into the day-by-day -day of his future followers. A bearded man strolling up into their net cleaning, their tax collecting, their normalcies, and saying simply, Follow me. In essence, 
Come see the way that God is. Walk alongside him. Uh, Come listen to the way words sound on his lips. Come understand the plan that's always been, the way I've always pursued you, the lengths to which my love will go for you. My friends, encounter is the root of all the fruit. To personally experience the living presence of this man. Without encounter, teachings become religiosities. Miracles become myths. Healings become the stuff of history not to be greeted with expectancy. Without encounter, the cross becomes a theology, the resurrection a once-a-year high holiday, the ascension something to be known about, certainly not experienced. Without encounter, prayer becomes a one-sided mumbling, uh, worship just singing, the Holy Spirit something mysterious not really to be known. Without encounter, there is no Pentecost, no early church, no book of Acts. Friends, without encounter, there is no true coalescing of the body of Christ. Encounter is everything. Personal experience of Jesus, who is himself the Christ. So if we want anchor, if we want church to welcome in the lost, encounter first. If we want to learn the deep things of Scripture, encounter first. If we want to savor deeply of the glories of fellowship, encounter first. If we want to truly commune, to pray rightly, encounter first. If we want to find ourselves lost in awe, encounter first. If we want to see signs and wonders, encounter first. If we want to learn the art of godly generosity, encounter first. If we want to live together relentlessly, encounter first. If we want to fall in love with the brothers and sisters around ourselves, encounter first. If we want to live our lives in pure joy, Encounter first. If we want to see our city, our country, this whole world changed, encounter first. If we want everyone we know to know him, encounter first. You see, it was the glory, the power of the early church that they didn't know what was happening, what to expect next. That day-by-day, week-by-week encounter was their only path forward. The difference between that and what it's so often become over the last 2,000 years of church history is that knowing about has too often supplanted knowing, hearing from, encountering. Without the ongoing effects of encounter, the man Jesus simply becomes this mythical figure And the kingdom of heaven becomes simply a Christian worldview, an ideology among so many others. With encounter, every day becomes the adventure with him this is meant to be, a perpetual intermingling of the natural, the supernatural, this world, and the other. So, if you and I are proposing 
to be and to have a community, a fellowship that is built around encounter. What essentially am I asking of all of you? Four things. Number one, togetherness. That we would purpose to be together as often as we can. That we would not view this gathering, any gathering in Jesus' name, as an add-on to our lives. That this would be the place we come week by week for all the purposes already highlighted. That we would not relent in being together. Two, expectancy. That you would come expecting to encounter Jesus right there, right here with these wonderful friends. And that you would spend your own week hot in pursuit of him and and preparing your own heart to come together each week and play a part in the whole. Three, service. That both here and in the community around yourself, you would actually walk in the way of Jesus. That you wouldn't come to church as a spectator and that you wouldn't allow your life outside the hours of worship to simply slip by, letting others do the following of Jesus on your behalf. Four, relentlessness. That we would all take this all dead seriously. That we would personally pursue Jesus, abide in him, and also grow in our love and passion to see the outsider come in. That it frankly wouldn't take me to spur your interest and intrigue in the Lord Jesus, that this would only grow in depth between you and him unendingly. So my friends, togetherness, expectancy, service, relentlessness, but most important of all, encounter.